Hey everybody, welcome to a very special Voxmas episode of the Vox Podcast. We're recording on Christmas Eve, and um, and so we're here, we're recording, I'm singing, I'm here, I'm singing, <laughs> I'm elf singing. reference. I'm in a store, I'm singing, I'm in a store. Did you guys watch Home Alone yet? No, no. What? Mike, why? you had one simple piece of homework. Why? Why? For like the last why, month. Why the violence? Why do I want to see because children I... purvey violence on clueless mm. adults? Right. All All I have to do is walk down it and just ask my teenagers what TikTok is, and then that that's that's all that takes. So no you get violence. That get violence in return. Dad, you're so lame. <laughs> So well, that is Home Alone in a nutshell, right there. You just synopsize the whole film. So anyway, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, uh, Happy Holidays. However, it's going for you. Twenty. This is our last episode of 2020, Tim. Amen. And and yes, and can we just say, don't let the calendar kick you in the ass, 2020, as you depart. Yes, I think that makes sense. Um, let's just review. Let's just review the glory of 2020 for a moment. Let's just have a year in review. A year in review. Yes. Yes. Um, let's see here. Coronavirus, which we thought. The end. We, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. New words I learned. Quarantine, Zoom meeting, um, social distance. I didn't have that word memorized. Mask mandate. That was just how I lived my life. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All the introverts are like, yes. Um, I learned uh, that I could spend like eight weeks alone with my family and that we would survive. Yeah. Eight weeks. Yeah, it was eight or ten. I mean, it was like legit. And now it's so much worse. (laughs) It's like all of that did nothing as it turned out. Um, yeah, it definitely feels like we're at the climax of the film because it's like the the uh, contagion. You know, the, uh, yeah, what's it called? The not the cure, the vaccine the antidote. Vaccine. The, I don't know yes. why I can think of that word. I got wow. too locked into the movie climax, but yeah. like the vaccine is here, but the numbers are higher than ever. Like, will yes. we make it in time? Yes, yes. Um, Yes, it, it, you know, I, Matt. We've had the joy of seeing masks politicized, group right. meetings politicized, health advice politicized. We had a wonderful election season, which was glorious, Boy, and nice. and still ongoing. Um, and it's all in all, Apparently. you know, uh, it's been uh, among the years. It's been pretty crappy. So it has been pretty crappy. Yeah, and and I remember it was so funny all. I mean, I have this, I have this secret uh, and visceral hatred of all of the self-help stuff the church does. You like, I saw this, <laughs> I saw an outline of a sermon posted on social media, and it was like, um, obesity is hard, uh, fitness is hard. Choose your hard. Yep, uh, I saw that. Yeah, and, and it was, and and if that was a real sermon. I just want to say on behalf of Jesus people, that's stupid. Um, terrible. Yeah. Okay. I got Tony Robbins for that. Um, (laughs) And and so all all of my church friends were like, yes, this is the year for God's vision 2020. Here we go. And it it certainly was a year for vision. Um, We got to see the absolute hellish landscape inside our souls and our country. And, um, oh, it maybe was, that was God's vision for 2020. Well, I personally think there's a, like, I don't think God is up there in some mechanistic Pinocchio way, uh, of, you know, pulling strings and stuff. But I do think he's behind a lot of the ugliness, just showing what's in our hearts, just showing it. He doesn't, it's not like he has to do it. He just, he just allows it to be revealed. And we're all looking at each other yeah. going, holy crap, you know, um, I uh, I participated in race uh, protests this year um, uh, for the first time in my life, and I uh, for the first time in my life I felt like I I needed to, which yeah you know was like oh this has been here the whole time, 
you know, there's just been so much that's exploded onto our collective landscape. And on the one hand, a buddy and I were texting. It's like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't depression era. We're not in the middle of a world war. But how can you not just like collectively think this is going to leave a pretty sizable mark on the, the uh, American community? Uh, going forward. And who knows what that will look like or be, but you know, what a year, what a year, what a year. Yes. So we're at Christmas and we're just holding our breath, um, you know, to make it through to the new year. Uh, and Christmas is always weird, Tim, because I, I, I personally am very nostalgic. I love the decorations. I love the music. I love, I, I'm a, I'm a Christmas decorator, um, as soon as, uh, Halloween is over, Thanksgiving for me is part of the 12 days of Christmas, or as I like to call it, the six weeks of Christmas. And, nope. and I know you're not that way, but, um, I'm also reminded of just how ridiculous <laughs> our holiday celebrations are every year. When I reflect again <laughs> on the freaking story we're telling, um, would right. you, would you share, just a little bit about what you shared with me about that, about my one of my favorite Christmas songs, Oh Holy Night. But it, it has this cool vibe to it that I, I didn't know until you uh, drew my attention to it. You want to fill us in on that? Yeah, I saw, probably a bunch of you saw this, but there was an article that Relevant Magazine put out and it passed through my feed, which is what our social media <laughs> stream. Uh on the history of the song. And I've always, there are certain songs that I think are like the most beautifully written songs, like just out of every, not just for Christmas. Right. Pearl Jam, <clears throat> Alive. That, yeah. You know? Yeah. There are songs like that. Though. I think like Release is one of my, I think is just a beautifully written song. And then when you hear yeah. this for Pearl Jam, when you hear like the backstory of how that song was written, how it came together, it just feels like a perfect moment, perfect piece of music. Yeah, and this like this or like Moonlight Sonata. There's certain songs that kind of like transcend all genres and kind of hit you when you hear them. Toto and Africa. so when the article popped up, well, yeah, especially when it gets redone by a Weezer, a flailing '90s band. Yeah, <laughs> but all this is our version of it. We just put a little bit crunchier guitars. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. We we'll use the, the kick covers. drum a little differently, but that's it. <laughs> Uh, but this article is short. I'll put it in the show notes if you're interested. But uh, they talk about how, where Oh Holy Night came from. And the title of the article is what caught my attention is it says, Reminder, Oh Holy Night started out as an abolitionist anthem. Ooh. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I love seeing kind of veneer or things pulled off of uh, Christmas or even anything like that that we have maybe taken for granted or just kind of ran with for a while and then find out that it has... Um, a lot more meat to it inside. So the article is interesting. The guy that was, the guy that wrote it was a French poet and a wine merchant named Placide Capot. Nice. Of course. Yes. I'm sure that's right. I took two years of French in high school, but all I can remember <laughs> is Je t'aime mon petit chou, which is I love you, my little cabbage. Oh. And oh. Je, je suis un anana, which is I am a pineapple. Wow. <laughs> okay, can I counter with three years of Spanish? And, Obviously. And um, Baño is one I remember. <laughs> and Fumar, Smoke, I always thought that was awesome. And Rojo. Spanish it's always Spanish was always the, the first thing I always think of is Encino Man. Oh. For some reason when they're like, El queso está bojillo y mojoso. ¿Dónde está el baño? <laughs> I, that's all I got. Spanish, the the really cool intellectuals in my high school took French. The rest of us took Spanish. And um, someone told me that girls thought that French was um, like a sexier language. So I was like, pivot, done, and took because I started with one week of German, and uh, I was like, nope. Germans, yeah, Germans rough. Anyway, go ahead, buddy. That, All right, 1843, that, French poet, wine merchant. He was commissioned to write a piece of music, but he turns out that he was an atheist. I think that that's really interesting. Oh, an atheist and, uh, wrote one of, of our that, best Christmas songs. Yeah. Nice. And when the church found out, they, they were like not into it uh, for that obvious reason. <laughs> um, 
but uh, what's interesting is that the that song became um, a big abolitionist song because of uh, as the movement was trying to outlaw slavery in the late 1800s and uh, mostly because of the third verse which I have pulled up will you sing it will you sing it I'm not gonna sing it but uh, the third verse of that song is truly he taught us to love one another his law is love and his gospel is peace chains shall break for the slave is our brother and in his name all oppression shall cease sweet hymns of joy and grateful raise we let all within us praise his holy name. Come on. And then it hits that massive chorus. Yeah. Yes. That's so cool, man. That um and and, and it reminds me like every year at this time of just all the subversive parts of the Christmas story that aren't captured in our trees and nativity scenes and I mean I mean like the the fact that Mary was 12 or 13 that yeah. Jesus was a bastard child. There were all sorts of questions around his birth and people attached this label to him later on in his life. They, they ask about where his father is and they say, well, we're not illegitimate children, you know? And, and I mean, the, the whole thing is so, and then Luke frames this as, as like massively anti-imperial. So, you know, Luke too mentions Caesar Augustus and then uses a bunch of propaganda that Caesar used uh, words like gospel, king, savior, lord, peace. Those are all Caesar words. And then, you know, here we have angels announcing this to shepherds about a baby. I mean, the whole thing is framed <laughs> around the, the best that human kingdoms could do. And then the dangerous possibility of a kingdom represented by an infant. Right, a different kind of king, a different kind of kingdom. I mean, it's just so epic. And so that when you told me that, that bit about O Holy Night, um, we have just completely lost the subversive anti-status quo nature of the Christmas story. Completely. Yeah. You know, I mean, Mary, Mary literally sings um, uh, that God is going to overthrow the powerful and lift up the humble. I mean, that's... That's like the theme of Christmas. That literally is the theme of Christmas. Um, that his favor rests on the humble, not the powerful. And um, I don't know. It, it was just a great reminder of like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, I need to hear that again. I need to hear that again because I'm, I'm focused on vaccines and health panels and presidents and prime ministers. And, man, you know, that matters, but it doesn't. Um, yeah. You know, just, there's just a lot more going on in the world. Hallelujah. So anyway, great stuff, Timothy. Um, and I, I want to hear you sing it. I, it's someday. Someday we'll do that. With more, with more uh, time leading in. Yep. Or one. That song is that song that always surprises you because the pre-chorus hits and it's pretty high. And then that last real big yeah. chorus comes in and, and everyone in the church is kind of like, Wah! <laughs> I just start mouthing at that point. I just yeah. stop. I stop singing. Um, that the song makes. I usually like. I tear up too because it's so, it, the music's so powerful. So then you get that weird lump in your throat, which then really, no one's going anywhere. You can't hit anything <laughs> at that point. Well, it's nice that you have those options. I can't hit anything at any point ever. Um, I, one of the things I wish I were good at was singing because I think I'd be a great bass player who also did vocals like i just i think i'd be really like good sting. at that. sting or like uh lemmy giddy lee uh yeah. was that his name uh yeah. from rush you know i just think there's something cool about a bass player who can sing and so because there are not many of us out there and i can do mm-hmm. neither just for the record so i don't know why i was, gonna say, I was just gonna ask are you a bass player because you're being <laughs> awfully specific about that instrument <laughs> Um, all right, we've got a follow-up question. Oh, before we get there, let's do let's do some housekeeping. 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 Um, first of all, we need to thank uh, a couple of people who have been wonderful in uh, in joining the Patreons. Um, AJ and Alyssa want to say thank you for joining our team. Phil and Jules. Um, Thank you for your generosity and kindness to us. You guys, we are ridiculously 
grateful to have a whole community of people that help us pull this thing off. And, um, it, and it really is cool. Um, we, we, we've, we wanted to embrace the NPR model from the very beginning and not do advertising, but offer for people who find this beneficial a way to help us. And, um, and a whole bunch of people have done that. And we're just so incredibly grateful. And if you want to become one of those people, treasure in our hearts, prayed for by name by our children nightly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, uh, you can go to patreon.com and type in Vox Podcast with Mike Erie. Or you can go to voxpodcast.com. And then there's a link to a, something called Tithely which is a more of a churchy vibe. Both of these are tax deductible, blah, blah, blah. But it's super encouraging when, uh, <laughs> when people, you know, kind of say and think this is worthwhile. The other thing is, um, if you would be willing to review us uh, on iTunes or whatever your uh, podcast provider is, to rate us as awesome and to share, if you ever find episodes that are super interesting uh and you feel like you can share them that that's we we're not huge into promotion um we're not big into like uh building this the the world vox platform but we do want i mean obviously we believe in what what's going on and we do want more people to hear about it and um and so if if that's something that you feel comfortable doing that'd be all of those things would be hugely appreciated um, Tim, what's your face telling me right now? I'm thinking about, well, I just have had a bunch of conversations in the last few nights with people about, for me, the thing I've been learning the most, I feel like is that community is the absolute key to all of this. <clears throat> Excuse me. You got to quit vaping. And, uh, I've told you. I know too much vaping. Yeah. It's so dry up here. Yep. Um, but I think that that's one of the coolest things about sharing this is that we can, broaden that conversation and bring more people into like, just being a part of the community and uh, sharing information and struggling together or questioning or growing or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And also, that made me think that right before the pandemic hit, we were doing a huge push and building out all of these micro communities and trying to like, we put together a literature for that and we were so excited for it. And I had been doing one in our town that was just starting to take off. Yeah, me too. And then obviously that all got killed uh, in, you know, February or March. And then we tried to set up, we set up a, a micro community group page on Facebook, which you can uh, still join. And the idea behind that was that we were going to have people start virtual micro communities. So it didn't matter if you're in the same town, you could meet people who have been listening to Vox or people with like-minded questions or whatever and get together and start doing meetings. And a few people did that. Um, but I haven't checked in with people. I know like Phoenix, Arizona had started a micro community that was starting to go and then they were trying to do it online. And I don't know if you guys have still been doing that. And there was Dallas, Fort Worth had also started and Damn. there was one other place, but, um, I, I think that community is such an important facet of everything that we're doing. And I would love to check in with all of you people who started doing that and, see if it's still happening and see if we can't encourage that somehow. Yeah. Yep. It's, as we go into the new year. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the new year, Tim, speaking of it, we've got some stuff coming just on the, on the Vox side. First of all, we have a new name. We yeah. have it. It's locked. It's locked and loaded. And, um, and so, and it's you know, not, what if pod was one of us? Unfortunately. Oh, so good. So good. Um, yeah, we uh, we've spent some time with uh, some friends who have been so generous with us doing this whole kind of rebranding thing, and um, we're looking at logos, and so there's all of that, and hopefully a website refresh. We want to do some more stuff on YouTube, and so there there are dreams and plans afoot. Um, our plan is to finish Sermon on the Mount. And, um, and then we're, we're talking through, we want to, we want to, you know, find a balance between original content and, um, and interviews with people that we just find super interesting. And so we're going to keep kind of walking both those lines. Um, 
number of interesting books coming out uh, next year that uh, we'd love to, or or books that came out this year, but the authors are too busy to talk with us, so maybe next year it'll be slower for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then there's our hope. Our hope evermore is N.T. Wright, and uh, and and his wife. Let's get them both. Um, yeah. Let's just hear. Let's just hear. Like what? What's N.T. Wright like? As uh, like when he's out to dinner. You know, is he? Does he chew with his mouth closed? Is he polite? Does he tip well? I'm kind of overhearing about his theology, but I want to know how yeah. he chews his food. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Does he make his bed every day? Does he sleep with socks on? Um, oh, that's huge. So these right. are the pressing questions we were, we're looking forward to in 2021. <laughs> um, so we're going to do a, a name change. We're going to do some rebranding. We'll finish Sermon on the Mount. And then Tim and I have been batting around um, a series of conversations on the Bible, um, mm-hmm. which seems to be a source of consternation to many. Um, and uh, and maybe that's where we'll go next. Uh, we may do a Patreon. I'm thinking about doing a Patreon survey of where we're at and what we're doing and anyway all that is to say we got some stuff coming but today ladies and gentlemen that was all business all business today we have a follow-up to our capitalism uh conversation with gombas and it wasn't really a conversation it was me asking approximately four questions and gombas talking (laughs) for an hour and and we all were kind of shellacked by that one um, and I had loads of uh, response on social media, um, and loads of questions that came in. This one is from a friend uh, of mine, Kristen. Hello, and she asked what I thought was just a great, great follow up to this. So, uh, Tim, why don't you put some words to this in the voice of an angel? All right, I'm going to read the whole thing just so it has the pre-context. John and I just listened to this, and it aligned with so much of what we have been feeling lately. The insidious way that capitalism has grown inside the evangelical church makes all of our frustration with church make more sense. In light of all this, I've got a couple questions. Where do we go from here? How do we fix this mess we're in? Should tithing or giving to the local church still be a regular part of life? Mike, you spoke a long time ago at Rock Harbor about the importance of supporting the local church financially. Do you still feel the same way now? And beyond giving money, what can we do to partner with God in advancing his kingdom? Sorry for all the questions. There's just so much to process here. Thanks for making these conversations possible, and thank you for listening. Oh, my goodness. Yes. All right, Kristen. Um, this This is phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. Um, yeah, and yes, Gombas, Gombas put into words, um, with things that I think Tim and I and, and Bonnie and others have been feeling from our experience kind of in mega church land and, um, and, and really helped encapsulate some of the concerns. Um, so where do we go from here? How do we fix this mess we're in? Should tithing, all right, so where do we go from here? How do we fix this mess? Should tithing or giving to the local church still be a regular part of life? Uh, my goodness, where do we start? Okay, so so first, um, uh, where do we go from here? All right, uh, the, 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 the biggest gift 2020 uh, or the last, really the last three years have given to us about the church is it's been showing us the truth showing us the truth about the abuse, the sexual abuse that's been done and hidden, shown us the truth about the selfishness of those who call themselves Jesus followers. It's shown us the truth about the double lives and hypocrisy of Christian leaders. It's shown us the truth about the, the wedding of political interest and um, Jesus following. It's shown us the truth about how absolutely and utterly compromised the American church is. Yes, Mm-hmm. So, so, and I'm still incredibly <laughs> hopeful. I yeah. still am incredibly hopeful because I keep meeting and I, and I want to be one of these people who, despite all of that, are, are, are passionate about, um, our Palestinian friend, Jesus <laughs> and the, in his ability 
to bring beauty out of chaos and tragedy and, and just awfulness. And when I look at what Jesus did to the Judaism of his day, it feels very much like what's happening to the American Christianity of our day. When Jesus showed up, he operated within the structures, right? He was Torah observant. He, uh, he was dedicated to the temple at the right time and circumcised on the eighth day. And, um, you know, he, he went to the temple for Passover when he was 12 and attended synagogue. And, you know, so he was, he was observant um, to what the heart of the Torah was. But as we've seen, as we've gone through the Sermon on the Mount, he just was deconstructing the, the nonsense, the legalism, the awfulness, the abuse that had grown up around these things that meant to be shining examples of God's grace and mercy. And he was yeah. angry about these things. And he, and he called out the religious leaders over and over and over again for their hypocrisy and warned them of judgment to them. And, um, and, and just kicked in so many of the walls that had been erected around uh, Yahweh and the worship of the one true God. And, and even, I mean, when you read the disciples as people who don't get it at all, at all, they don't get it. Yeah. Even after his death and resurrection, they still don't get it. They're getting it. But they don't they don't fully have it. They 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 had to unlearn everything they they thought they knew about Messiah. That's why Jesus keeps telling them, guys, shut up. Don't tell anybody. You don't get it. You don't understand. It's why he hated the not hated, but why he was so suspicious of crowds, right? He just knew they would make him king by force. And that was not at all what he was about. And so I compare what Jesus was doing to Judaism. Um, he was not destroying it. He was renewing it. But in order to do that, he had to burn it down in some ways. Mm. That's what yeah. he's doing to us, to those of us who call ourselves Christians. So I'm incredibly hopeful. I'm incredibly hopeful because the place where healing starts is with truth. And the truth is coming out about all of this shit, of all the nonsense, yeah. all of it. And, and it, the truth of about me, the truth about the church, the truth about its leaders, the whole thing is coming out. And that is, what, ironically, what makes me the most hopeful. Um, because God has not given up on this thing. And there is a refining that is totally a Christian word. And I think of the refiner's fire, the song. <laughs> uh, but there is a refining that is happening. And, and I, I am, I am, I just say, bring it, bring it, burn it, refine it, chew it up, spit it out. And may there be a few pure pieces left. Yeah. And so I am just cheering this whole ridiculous thing on. And, um, and, it, and it's the fact that it's been such a ruthless cutting away and exposing the hypocrisy of the church that makes me think that God isn't up there mechanically but but there is um, that he is authoring some of this in some mysterious way, and I'm like yes yes. So then I go to well, what do we do? What did what did the uh, disciples do after Jesus literally destroyed <laughs> the expectations of? Messiah. And they, and you see, I mean, I read the epistles in the book of Acts and they're all wrestling with what the hell just happened? What, what was this? <laughs> and they've got to, and they're rummaging through the old Testament going, well, okay, maybe, yeah, I guess this was, I, you know, the virgin to be born. I mean, that was about a virgin then, but maybe, or not a virgin then, but just a young woman then who was pregnant, but maybe, I don't know, maybe the Mary story is in this or, or, or the Exodus story. Maybe that's, I mean, and, and so they're just rummaging around. They can't find language big enough and deep enough and beautiful enough to just capture what is undeniably true for them. That that is Jesus was the Messiah, but not in a way anyone ever would have ever expected. Yeah. Right? It was nuts. And so so they're putting it together. So so we are we are in the putting it back together phase. I don't know that we're done with uh, the <laughs> destruction phase. But we're looking at the rubble and we're saying, okay, what's pure here? What's good here? There has to be something, right? Because the, the church is simultaneously a human institution and it's frail and ugly 
And it's this majestic, mysterious bride of Jesus that cannot ever be overthrown. And so we're like, okay, so now we're sifting and sorting what was part of the human institution and its traditions and ugliness and what, what's part of the spirit and what's part of the kingdom and what actually represents Jesus. And this is the hard work, right? It's just easy to write the whole thing off. That's easy. And it's easy to naively embrace the whole thing as if there weren't any problems. That, all of that's easy. Right. We're called to do the hard work of sifting and sorting. And that starts first with us. Right, So my repentance of my hypocrisy, of my double life, of my lust, of my, you know, all of it, all of it. And, um, and as that begins to happen, then I can begin to see specks of dust elsewhere. But only yeah. until after I've been confronted with my self-righteousness, right? My, my judgment, my pride, my greed, all of that. Um, do I dare sit in a place and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the reason I'm so cheering this on is because for me, 2020 was a year of massive character growth and exposing the awful parts of me and like, whoa, this is really ugly. I th I've been doing all this religious activity all this time and it never touched what was deeply wrong. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. So, so yes, of course I cheer it on for everybody else. Cause I've seen the power of it. Yeah. That was a big rant, Tim. That was <laughs> you, you want you want to add anything or do you just want me to keep rambling because i keep no rambling. i love it i love it that all that makes me think like we're everything you just said about the exposing of the church or the yeah exposing the un, the unveiling or not unveiling yeah exposing i'll just stick with that um at this point at this point in the year as we're celebrating christmas and everything that christmas represents it just seems so like this year has been a year of, as we're talking about money and, and capitalism, you know, where a few people have grown their wealth exponentially. Yeah. While yeah. a lot of people have lost everything. Yeah. And I think about the church and this, this reaching out to the, those who are oppressed, but how much of the message of 2020 has been that the church is so oppressed and <laughs> we're trying to meet and worship like we, oh. we can't take away our freedoms and you can't take away our rights to worship and we got kurt cameron out there in a santa claus hat the last few days doing anti-mask uh caroling events and yeah it worked it just everything feels off yeah yeah just off kilter yeah yeah like we're the persecuted ones yeah instead of reaching out and trying to take care of the oppressed which is so much of the of the message during the time period of the, or the time of the year where that could really be is really being exposed where the, the so much of the conversation in the public is about how oppressed the church is yep it's just a wild it is wild so so yes so where do we go from here we're sifting and sorting and repenting and lamenting that's what we're doing how do we fix this mess we're in we don't it's impossible <laughs> what social media does uh, that one of the negative things it does is it focuses my heart and attention on the sins of others way too much, disproportionately to my sins. So I can always feel better about myself because I can always find right. an idiot who's way worse. <laughs> you know, I'm reading about Hillsong, New York, going, what a bunch of clowns. Um, yeah. Or Kirk, sweet Growing Pains Cameron. Uh, and he's going, still, this he's is... still going through Growing Pains. <laughs> or something, man. But, but... <laughs> It, so I've really been careful with social media because I it, it focuses it focuses my attention way too much on the sins of other people and there's a place for that prophetic calling out no question um, but but it's it comes after a lot of work on on our end you know personally yes. uh, so we don't fix it the thing we do is we get we we try to be as faithful as we possibly can and we try to join with people who are being who are attempting to be faithful in similar ways. So, so the question is, should tithing or giving to the local church still be a part of life? And I have to, I have to be honest here. Um, I, I think yes. Now, and, and, and it's so weird because as someone who gets paid by a church, of course, I'm going to say this. And as someone who on this podcast has, has railed against Right, the financial class in the church of people who are, you know, stuck um, with uh, 
you know, uh, with donations and keeping donors happy as a way to keep employed. But let me just say this. When I wasn't, I had about three years when I, or two years or however many years of not being a part of a church um, that, you know, benefited me financially. I still uh, eagerly, not eagerly, but I still gave. And, yeah. and here's, here's why. Now, so that hasn't changed. I would, I would never, I would never use the word tithing. Paul never teaches Gentiles to tithe. He has opportunities to, and he says, as you, as you've been led to give, or as you've chosen in your heart to give. And the scriptures teach this massive theology of possessions that is so confrontive to everything about Americans, right? We're stewards of this. It's not our stuff. We're going to talk about it next week on the Sermon on the Mount, so I don't want to get it too far into it but my goodness there the the biblical teaching is the the god doesn't need your money the church doesn't need your money you need to have a way to counter program against consumerism if you just mm. money is a rival god that jesus names so so um so let's let's save that convo but should you give to a church i think What's changed in me isn't whether or not I would give to the church, but it's the kind of church I would give to. And um, I'm over, um, completely over, the fog-machined, overproduced, stylized. I mean, one of the great gifts of 2020 was realizing how little the church has to offer if they can't do Sunday services. (laughs) Right? We have nothing else. Yeah. So our answer is just to put our Sunday services online and call that church. I mean, yes. it's so gloriously revealing how shallow this whole enterprise turns out to be. It's unbelievable. Yes, yes, yes. But I think there are places and there are people and there are leaders and there are communities that are out there who want more than this. And I want to fuel those. I want to be a part of those. Right. So I'm yeah. looking, first of all, I'm looking for humility and leadership. Number one, are these people interested in building a platform for their church or a platform for themselves? Do they talk yeah. ever about how fast they're growing or how many people show up? I, I, I'm done. I'm done following leaders who are interested in using their church and not serving it. So I'm done. Yes. Done, done, done. Secondly, um, do they actually seek to build the kingdom and not their own? church in other words do they partner with other churches do do are they possessive of their people and talk negatively about the church down the street do they do Mm -hmm. do they express themselves as being in competition can they celebrate when other things happen that they aren't a part of right i'm looking for all of that i'm looking for a church that doesn't have grace in its name but grace in its blood baby are people really allowed (laughs) to be in process are they allowed to doubt question and wrestle are they allowed to not hold the exact line on every doctrinal issue are they center focused and not boundary focused and do they most of all more than anything else want to see the kingdom come and however it comes they're willing to partner with it whoever it's if it's with it's with it's with a non-christian organization or a mormon organization or a catholic organization are they willing to partner um not as the great white hope but as as co-laborers with loads of other people interested in doing good for the world right do they take Jesus seriously or yeah. is Jesus just the motivational guru? And so they just rummage around the Bible looking for nice quotes that tell us how to be better people. F that. F it! The buddy Jesus. Oh, I can't stand it. We don't need more self-help, man. Damn it. <laughs> the point of the gospel is that that we can't rescue ourselves. Um, my Lord, that's the point of the Christmas story. But so to those churches, yes. I'm willing now. Now I don't think, and if a church just says you have to give to them and nowhere else, flee. Um, the life of GC, the church, and, and and you also have to see how how compromised the church is by consumerism, right? Um, yeah. Have they have they bought massive amounts of land and million dollar buildings that they have to maintain now? Um, do they um, do 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 they pay their staff? well but is it exorbitant um would would the staff be incredibly nervous if you found out how much they made 
Um, right. I mean, there, there, there are ways to kind of sniff around a little bit and say, okay, is this, how compromised is the church? The thing that Gombas brought up is um, that churches cease being prophetic because they have to keep donors happy. So does yes. the church talk about things that aren't comfortable to talk about? Because yeah. Jesus talks about them. And if the answer is yes... All right, now now we're talking. So do I think there are churches worth giving to? Yes. But here's the big reason I still give to a church and want to. Um, I am too steeped in individualism. And I have to be reminded I'm part of a collective whole. I have to. Yeah. So even my charity is individualized, right? I want to give here and I want to give here and I want to give here. The thing about giving to a community as a community is that it reminds me I'm not my own. Yeah. And so I think there is a massive significance symbolically for me personally, because I mean, all of our church buildings could go away and the church is just fine, right? All of us could get other jobs and we're just fine. Um, the church is unaffected by that, but I do yeah. think there's, there's something about sitting, even if it's with people, um, or these days online and being reminded we're part of something better and we don't always get exactly our way. I think there's yeah. power in that. And because Jesus is so committed to building his church, I want to be a part of that too. Yeah. So that's why I give I, I give money to other places and I try to be generous with how I tip and I try to be generous with praise and I try to be generous all over the place. But that's why I still think there's room for those of us who have not given up hope to support, come alongside and support certain communities and other communities, you know, let them die. Let the dead bury their own dead. They're just some that are only interested in self-preservation and fantastic. Jesus, Jesus is so gracious. He'll receive all of it. But, um, those aren't the churches that are, that are going to build out of the rubble of what's happened. Yeah. <laughs> You definitely see the the year has exposed maybe just because we've had to sit idle so much this year. Yeah, you know, being trapped in our homes, but it's exposed so much of the um, excessive waste or excessive hoarding that the church has done on a large scale. Because you see that yeah. the most, you see the biggest churches the most on social media or in the news, and and they're taking and they're taking stuff. government loans for millions of dollars, yeah, and you're it's like, wild, really. I mean, it's promoted some of the conversations you and I have had or we've had with Gombas or have had with other people about like should because Gombas has always been a big proponent of pastors being bivocational or not getting paid. Yeah. Yep. We're like, okay, I see the I see the argument in there. But who like we need people like we talked last episode. What you know, you went to seminary, but what's the percentage of Christians who have gotten that education? It's like point. Yeah. One percent or something. So, you know, we need people that have been taught to pull context out and to teach us and show us and uh, you know give us the tools to see um anti-christ literature out in the world and no one's going to go to seminary if they're not going to be able to get you know if there's no way to be supported in a job scenario right like if you're working 40 hours doing something else so it's just like it's such a hard balance but i think it's supposed to be a hard balance that and that's we the should point. be yeah, we should be fighting to do this correctly. Yes, there, there is. A, I mean, there is New Testament teaching about um, earning a living from the gospel. Yeah, um, and, and Paul seemingly gives room for that, even though, in order to not indebt himself in an honor shame culture to certain cities, he would he would work, I and mean, but he even would say, "I'm right. entitled." But I don't take it because you would think this about me. Right. So so I don't have the, – the big part for me is it's the trap that Gombas brought up. If as a teacher of the Bible, I'm – I can't speak about certain things that Jesus talks plainly about Absolutely. because we're going to upset people, yep. um, then the, you know that's a walk away scenario. And so part yeah. of the joy of Vox has been that there's a whole community that pushes back, um, but but there isn't the threat of um, it's just one person supporting us. We have to keep them happy, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Or and in, that or pushback whatever. is met with conversation, like 
you know, people write in, they're like, how, you know, how could you bring that up? How could you talk about this? How could you right. have so-and-so on your podcast, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, and it's part of the conversation. It's part yep. of the wrestling with the complexity of all of this. Yeah. Which is yeah. wonderful. And when you're talking about the church stuff too, I keep, I always think about the now and the not yet conversation. And I feel like the church should exist in that exact framework, right? Like the kingdom now and the kingdom not yet. What are we doing to benefit and work on that? I want to see more transparency. Like you said, are are people on staff afraid to see for us to see how much they're making or how the money is being spent or what their priorities are or what their quote unquote vision is for the church and the community and the town and, and all that kind of stuff. Like, that should be a, those should be glass walls. Totally. And, and, and for me, this, this little church in Tennessee <laughs> meets all those, like I'm, I, I legit think they're an amazing group of people and yeah, that's rad. Um, they're the healthiest and they've been through, oh my goodness, they've been through a lot, a lot of heartbreak, a lot of loss. And, um, and so and I have to be honest, I'm healthiest as a person. Like part of my getting healthy is being in a community. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that that's just, and obviously you can do that apart from being on staff, but there's something, it's like, it's like when I teach, that teaching isn't performing, but it's one of the ways I am closest to Jesus. Like yeah. I can't explain what that's like. There's something there that is so mystical. Um, and it used to be performing and it used to be trying to, you know, trying to demonstrate competence in order to hide shame. But, but somewhere along the line, it became like a joy and not a performance. And, um, and I, so I've missed it so much. Um, and, and so I find myself being incredibly happy and incredibly healthy uh, as this year ends, I mean, far, far more than, you know, I have been in a long time. Um, and, and the church has been central to that. Yeah. You know, so, so, uh, yes. So Kristen and John, um, look, 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 discern, 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 discern. find a place. Discernment is the word for 2020. Yes. Yeah, it really is. But like Gombas has talked about, right? Find a place where you can hook in for as long as you can hook in, even even if it's not perfect. Because it won't be. We all know that theoretically. But when you see its imperfections, there are some imperfections we just have to live with and that are okay imperfections for a church to have. There are other imperfections that we've been talking about them that are not okay um, and that represent cultural or spiritual idols that uh, the church needs to repent of. So um, what a great... What a great question. So we we wanted to end uh, 2020 just with a bitterly honest and very optimistic <laughs> outlook <laughs> on, on the state of things. Because I, I tell you, there is so much good that is happening. None of it gets uh, paid attention to. None of it will ever get publicized. Not much of it's ever on social media. But um, there are these tribes of incredible humans who are, who have decided that um, we're not going to settle for the hollow, shallow, shallow versions of Christian theology and church life. We're actually going to we're going to work really hard. And, and the thing about Vox is I keep meeting people like this all over. And that's why there's been such a hunger for people to meet other people like this. And it's not only here. Of course not. I mean, my goodness, how arrogant would that be? I'm just saying, like, the people we meet through the conversations we have have just continually surprised us with how thoughtful and intelligent and hopeful um, our community is. And so... Um, it gives us a great, a great deal of joy to be able to do this in partnership with people like that. Yeah. You know, so that's all I got, dude. I've talked a lot. Holy crap. <laughs> I cussed. I know you did. I know. I'm going to put a little E, a little E logo on here. For eerie. Maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just put some beeps. Put some earmuffs. You beep, beep out. <laughs> earmuffs. The, dude, just beep out the word before the word. 
<laughs> I used to always think that, you know, and some people may not be old enough to remember this, but like t- when they put movies on TV in the 80s and early 90s and they would do the TV version of it. Yeah. And they would change the swear words to different words. But yeah. I swear the guys that did that job, I always wanted that job because they would do it in voices that didn't match a lot of not times. Not at all. Not at all. And it was, it was like, it would just make it stick out so much more. And then they would pick words that were didn't make sense in the sentence at all. <laughs> it's like they, those guys, I just imagine they're all just sitting around with a bunch of beers and just like having so much fun making it as ridiculous as possible. That's a tangent. <laughs> No, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, so, um, I I, uh, I discovered the uh, Joel Osteen um, inspiration cube. <laughs> Saw Kevin number one was sharing some of that last night. Uh, and um, uh, don't tell God how big your problems are. Tell your problems how big your God is. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our benediction for 2020. There it is. Right there. That's the good news of Jesus right there. Um, all right. Well, Timothy, uh, per usual, any last thoughts? Do you want me to do what? You just texted me the word well, blessing. I, I know. Well, I texted it to you as you were just saying what you said. So oh. I thought it'd be, it'd be nice to do Aaron's blessing like you used to do as we end 2020. You know, I might be rusty, but yes, yes. Let me try it. Let me try. I'm, 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 I may screw this up, but let's let's do it. We used to do this after every episode. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance to you. And in these days, Lord, would you grant us peace. Amen. Till next year, folks. Next year. Bye. Thank you for listening to this conversation. The Vox Podcast is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash Vox Podcast. You can also engage with the hosts on social media at facebook.com backslash Vox Podcast, on Instagram at Vox Podcast, and on Twitter at Mike Erie. Thank you for walking this road with us.